When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Dave. Welcome to the What Difference Does It Make podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great and super happy to be here today, as always, because I love going back to the K-Rock countdown. Yeah, we took a little break talking to some friends, and now we get to talk to a radio friend. This is kind of cool. We're going to talk to Andy Chanley, who is the music director of 88.5 FM in Los Angeles, don't you know? Located on the grounds of California State University, Northridge, our alma mater. Yes, fun fact. We did go to school there. We tried to get in the radio station, but I don't think they let us in. No, they did not. (laughs) Their mistake is look at us now. Look at us go. (laughs) We're just doing our own fake radio show here. We are continuing our countdown. We're looking at 1985. A very fun year. These are the songs that K-Rock, the world-famous K-Rock in Los Angeles, deemed as the best of the best. They had a list of 106.7 songs. We are currently at number 30, and we're going to count down on this episode all the way down to number 21. Andy Chanley is the music director at 88.5 FM, so he's got some opinions about songs. And so (laughs) we'll go back in time to when he was a high schooler and see what he thinks of a lot of these songs. This is a weird 10-song chunk. It's a fun 10-song chunk. Otherwise, we can call it a funk. All right, let's. It's a. (laughs) I like that. Okay, a fun. Let's go through this funk of 10 songs. And hold up, hold up, Dave. You guys can find us on social media at WDDIM Podcast, and we are going to cut up this interview with Andy and put some little mini chunks on YouTube. So you can find us at What Difference Does It Make Podcast on YouTube. We're going to start at number 30 for this one. Let's get right into it on the What Difference Does It Make Podcast. How are you? Good to meet you, Holly, David. Yes, it's so nice pleasure. To you. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah. Are you in a booth right now? You sound, your acoustics sound fantastic. Oh, thanks. No, I'm I'm at home. I'm I've got a, a studio at my house. Lots of damping going on with uh, sound absorbers, broadband traps, and all that kind of fun stuff, and, and sound uh, blankets behind me. See, he's put some thought into this. I am looking at your LinkedIn. It says you've been doing the voice actoring for 22 years now. Did we? Yeah, a long time. Yeah, did a lot of stuff, especially back in those earlier days in the early 2000s. Because when I start, are we are we podcasting already? Yeah, you know, we're, we're, we ease into it. Yeah. You don't even realize. See, it's just a it's just a nice little dip. You dip your toe in before you know you you've done you're in you're all the way into the water there. So you know, yeah, because well, I just want to save all of the the you know real gold. <laughs> oh, we're gonna use uh, yeah, it all. When I, when I first started doing it, there were like ten thousand people doing voiceover in New York and Chicago and Los Angeles combined. There just weren't that many people that did it on a regular basis. Now there are 10 million. You know, yeah. Anybody that has an iPad mm-hmm. can record something and, and send it in and put it on one of those crowdsourced websites. Now it, it's exceedingly hard. It used to be 20 years ago, people would say, hey, how can I get into voiceover? And I'd say, well, if I could possibly dissuade you from trying, <laughs> uh, I, I would because it's so difficult to make a living doing it now. Yeah, I just forget. Once you get in, though, I mean, that that's when they, that's when it, it, it's just now, amazing. It's like, yeah. It's harder now because it used to be, David, if they liked the sound of your voice, they'd say, you're the guy for Taco Bell. You're the Taco Bell guy. You're going to do everything. You do the radio <laughs> stuff, the TV stuff, all of the stuff. You're, you're it. You're, you're our Taco Bell voice. And now they get one person to do the Chalupa ad that's going to be on regional internet one person to do the Gordita ad that's on mm. you know, regional radio, and then another person to do one spot for Mexican pizza that goes you know, uh, during the Super Bowl. They'll parse it out over a whole bunch of different people. And when I started doing it, celebrities wouldn't touch this shit. Right, yeah. You know? and, and then George Clooney did Budweiser, and uh, Christian Slater did Panasonic. Then the floodgates just opened, and anybody would do anything. 
for a Nichols. <laughs> so it got, it got really tough. As I looked on your LinkedIn, you were a journalism major. Yeah, I went to Purdue with the, the intention of being a, a mechanical engineer. Oh. Uh, my sister, older sister, was a chemical engineer. She's one of the smartest people I know. I mean, she's like Mensa, mm. you know, and, and even like Triple Nine Society, off the charts, you know, IQ. And I thought, uh, well, my math is pretty good and my science is pretty good. Maybe I'll just do that. <laughs> and uh, had two years of it before I just wanted to jump out the window. It, it was so unenjoyable to me. I got into radio and never really looked back. I didn't know that it would be 30 to 33 years later. It's funny, I think when, you, when you're in it, your life feels like a zigzag. But when you look back at it, boy, isn't in a straight line. Yeah. And it's like everything that you've done kind of prepares you for this moment. So I've worked my entire life getting prepared for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought. Yeah. We're, we're really happy to give you the opportunity. Yeah. To All get right. your, your voice and your name out there. Appreciate it very much. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Are you from Indiana? Is that we're gonna we're we're talking about the year 1985? Where was uh, a young Andy Chanley in uh, 1985? 1985, I was a junior in high school. So what school? At Greenwood Community High School, a southern suburb of Indianapolis. Go Fighting. What what was the nickname? The, the Greenwood Woodman. Oh, the Woodman. Go Woodman. All right. Greenwood Wood. Wood Woodman. Wood Woodman. Wood Woodman. Uh, that must have been a great humor I, when I, they named it. When I, they named. <laughs> It's like a Tin Man was the mascot. Lumberjacks and then go to, to Purdue where it's a Boilermaker and yeah. a guy with a, a sledgehammer. So I go from a guy <laughs> with an axe to a guy with a sledgehammer. Yeah. I never thought of that before. <laughs> it's all, you know, blunt force trauma uh, implements that, that were the mascots uh, of my further education. Nice. But, uh, Indiana's a violent state. Yeah. <laughs> Watch yourself. Yeah. I'll cut you. Okay, so Bird was your guy. Like Larry Bird, he must have been your guy. Larry Bird was uh, tremendous. Well, you know, what's funny is I was just talking to somebody about this the other day. When I was, you know, eight, nine years old, my uncle, who lived down in southern Indiana, would come up to visit, and he'd say, boy, I was watching this, uh, this kid play basketball, this, uh, you know, f uh, high school freshman. He's amazing. He's going to take over the world. He's, he's just going to, yeah. he's going to, we're like some <laughs> hillbilly kid. Right. Lick, seriously. Uh, and, and then come to find out. You know, you, you start seeing him play uh, at Indiana State, mm. and yeah. it just has this, you know, preternatural understanding of what's going on everywhere on the court at any given time. Looks like he can see out the back of his head. And, you know, his, his assists were just as spectacular mm. as his own plays. Yeah, it, it, was, it was pretty amazing to, to be a part of that and, and you know, to have known the heritage before Right. Everybody else found out in the NCAA finals. Oh, yeah. Are you watching Winning Time? The the one about the Lakers? Yeah. yeah. It's oh. on HBO, I think, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I, it is. I, just, uh, I wanted to see it, and then I ended up seeing, I was waiting uh, on my wife to watch a, a show that, that we watch all the time, and uh, and it was on. Uh, so I watched like a half hour of the episode while I was waiting, and I'm like, yeah, uh, uh, my suspicions are confirmed. I want to see this. Oh, it's it great. Just really interesting. They show. Are you watching it, Holly? Not yet. Oh. It's, it's hard knowing the thing, you know, Jerry West, you know, has issues that they all have issues with it. And that's always going to be in the back of my mind. Oh, it's fun. Larry Bird hasn't complained. Larry Bird is, you know, he's playing a hick. They show him as like a hick. He's spitting tobacco into his little, into <laughs> a little aluminum can and just, and just a brilliant guy. But yeah, they really build up that, the, the Lakers Celtics rivalry. It's I, I'm loving every minute of it. And you know. Oh yeah, it was the yeah. greatest. I yeah. remember uh, you know being a, a Celtics fan because my dad was, and yeah. you know, Larry Bird played there. And it's, those were the games games that are on TV in our house. So, yeah, I was totally a, a Celtics fan. And then I moved out here 25 years ago. <laughs> and I was a Pacers fan in Indianapolis. We had our own team there. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> they sucked for so oh, yeah, long yeah. that, you know, when we finally got, like, Reggie Miller and people that, you know, yeah. that, that made us uh, excited for the playoffs, uh, it was time to, to move. <laughs> so I came out here, and I realized, hey, they got a pretty good team out here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you start off like uh, college radio at Purdue or was that, and then, and then you. Yeah, well, you're... I started um, working for the newspaper. That was okay. where I got involved in the communication sides of thing, you know, in, in journalism. And I went to work for the, the college paper, the exponent, they called it. And this paper had a 20,000 circulation daily. Wow. You know, bigger than most city yeah. newspapers, right. you know, across the country, really. Wow. And it was like a million dollar organization. <laughs> 
And there was a staff of like 150. And I go there and I, I just fall in love with it. I'm like, oh my God, this is great. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're like, well, you can put a, a sentence together. Let's make you a writer. And then later on, I became uh, the managing editor of it. And I was running the, the newsroom. And and then I'm, I'm out at, uh, for my 20th, around my 21st birthday, I'm out at a bar and a local radio station was having a remote. And one of the guys that was doing part-time news for them was getting ready to move on. And the news director said, you know, hey, Dean, do you know anybody that would like uh, to do, you know, what you're doing when you leave? And he's like, that guy pointed over at me. She wow. goes, oh, would you, would you be interested? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, he sounds like a radio guy. <laughs> yeah, really enthusiastic. <laughs> I, I write a story for her and I record a story and she's like, you'd be great at this. So wow. I go out and cover ribbon cuttings and ditch diggings and all this stuff that I didn't care at all about uh, in Lafayette, Indiana. So finally I go to the program director and I beg to be on the air to, to do something on the, the music side of things, programming side. And that's me do Sunday nights. I put the King Biscuit Flower Hour discs on the turntable and pressed mm. play. Mm. <laughs> played that and- uh, Welcome to showbiz. What's funny though, is I would hear, you know, uh, executive director Norm Pattis and all of these names of the people that work at uh, Album Network and, and these places. Westwood One. Yeah, Westwood One. Always. Then I come out here and I meet them all. You mm -hmm. know, and I'm, I'm, I end up working with most of them, you know, at one time or another. Uh, so it was kind of a full circle thing. But yeah, if you would have told me I, you know, I'd still be in radio, I would have been surprised at that point. But after a while, because I thought, oh, you know what? I can do this in, in Lafayette, Indiana. Mm. But in Indianapolis, they're really good. That's There's the no big, way I can do that. That's the big time, yeah. Yeah, that's big time. So uh, then I go down to Indianapolis and I do it for a while there. I'm like, okay, I, I think I can do this. I, 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 I can cut this. But I could never do it in Los Angeles because they're really good there. And then I come out here and I'm like, uh, probably do this. I'm not Casey Kasem, but I, I think I can hang and, and do this for a while. And 25 years later, yeah. Uh, Who did you send your first tape to? Oh, so I got here in. March of, it was 25 years ago, so March of 77, of 97. First of all, I get a part-time job, a uh, temp job. Uh, I forget what the name of the agency was, but I remember distinctly what my first job was. It was working for Michael Milken's oh, cat geez. cure, his, his prostate cancer hmm. research uh, organization. Yeah. Uh, and Michael Milken had a checkered past, but, you know, you, you can't fault the, you know, that sort of work. Um that's on the up and up. So my job was keeping their database current. So I would have a, a, these pages of people to call mm -hmm. and the usual call would be something like, uh, hi, is Thomas Smith there? My name's Andy. I'm calling from uh, CapCure in, in Santa Monica, California. He did. I'm so sorry for your loss. <laughs> oh, geez. Yes. I will update our records. I'm very sorry. Uh, you have a wonderful day. It was hours of that. Oh, wow. Of calling, you know, and it was just horrible. It was, it was dreadful. I did that for like two weeks and then I sent out five tapes. I sent one to KLOS, Star 98, K Rock, Y107. And what was the other one? Another rock station? Air, it might have it been was, Air yeah, Air. 90s. Yeah. It was probably, yeah. yeah. I eventually heard back from several of them, but I like immediately, I dropped that off on a Friday at five o'clock. And Monday morning, I heard from Y107. And uh, Steve Bladder, who's now running Sirius XM, yeah. said, uh, hey, would you come and do a, an audition? And I'm like, sure. Because at midnight in Los Angeles, there are as many people listening as there are at broad daylight at noon in Indiana. Sure. Uh, so you know, he wanted to, to see if I could you know, uh, handle it doing a break. And so I came in and, and did it. And the next day, he's like, hey, you want to do Middays? I was the first person on Middays at Y107 what? for a couple of years. So, yeah, it was pretty fun. And then that station, they fired all of us and changed changed it and then eventually got uh, sold and went Spanish. I went to Channel 103.1, which was there for a couple of years. And then the AMFM Clear Channel merger made them have to sell that off. It counted as two signals, and it was the smallest one. So they got rid of that. Of course, that you know ended up being... Later on. Musica, Musica, Musica. Well, yeah, it was, and then it was um, well, Indy 103. Yeah, Indy, well, right. I always loved, but never never got to work there. And then in 2008, they started up The Sound, and I went, and I was the first voice and the last voice, mm. live voice uh, on 100.3 The Sound, and then went out to uh, KCSN, and I've been there uh, pretty much ever since. 
uh, music director and afternoon drive at uh, KCSM. Look at you. Dave and I were just talking about your sign-off at the Sound. It was very touching. Oh, that was the worst day. You're talking about when when it went went off the air. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm in the room, and everybody's in there. Uh, Everybody that worked at the station, all of the DJs, all of the sales staff. There were two different camera crews. So just the body heat in there is clammy and and uncomfortable. (laughs) It was a lot. And I'm playing the second half of... uh, Abbey Road and, you know, I've got to press the button in a minute that shuts this thing down forever. And I look over and I see Rita Wilde in the corner and she's is looking straight at me and she just gives me the breathe. Andy Chandley was the sound's first DJ. Almost 10 years later, he's our last. Wow. Here we all are to close down 100.3 of the sound. I'm Andy Chandley. Uh, joined by so many people that were uh, a huge part of this radio station. And uh, a lot of people asking what these DJs are going to do after this. Uh, many of us just don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. Uh, do you have a need for a gently used, ruggedly handsome rock DJ? Uh, search your soul. Um, but all through the what's happened in the last 10 years, whether there was strife around the world or uh, happy times, we always pretty much shut up and let the music talk. So... There are 11 words at the end that say a lot. It's how KMET shut down years ago. Right, Cynthia? Uh, so we're going to play one last album side, one piece of vinyl from that turntable over there. Uh, maybe the last disc jockey in Southern California. Um, we'll sign off here at the top of the hour after the Beatles, Abbey Road, side two. This has been KSWD Los Angeles. This is the sound, and this dream will self-destruct in three, two... Those days suck. All right, learning a lot about Andy. Too much about Andy. I think we've learned enough. Let's stop learning about Andy. Let's learn about the songs that K-Rock played back in 1985. But first, let's take a break. Welcome back to the What Difference Doesn't Make podcast and our guest, Andy Chanley. We're going through 10 songs here, and uh, have you reviewed any of this stuff? Uh, well, <laughs> I, I, I looked at your list, and a couple of things jumped out of me. I'll be honest, I can't wait to get to talking about it because some of it, I have. In, this is the first time I'm hearing some of these names. Perfect. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. All right, we got we got a ride here. Okay, so again, in 1985, you were at a high school. Were you a music fan? I mean, you were hearing, like, oh, yeah. you just kind of fell into everything. We didn't oh. hear anything about, like... Uh, no, no, okay. I, I love music, and I love radio. I mean, it, it seems so obvious now. Yeah. And I'm, I've become the biggest proponent of gap years because of this. <laughs> when I was 16, 17 years old, every Sunday, every Sunday, I would listen to Casey Kasem's Top 40. <laughs> Sometimes I'd make a list and, like, compare who, yeah. who's, the, who's rising with a bullet this yeah. week. You know, that kind of shit. Yeah. I was so nerdy about we've, it. Now we've all been and there. I, yeah. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved everything about it. And so, yeah, I would buy records sit with my headphones on and, you know, uh, big albums, LPs and, and, you know, double fold and look at the artwork and just soak it all in. Oh God. Yeah. I I absolutely love music. Always, always have. With any local guy. I mean, everyone always, we've talked to everybody and everyone mentions Casey, but we always like the local guy. There usually is like some, some guy that, uh, like, that you listen yeah like right yeah when you're in high school was there a station in particular that you loved well the rock station of record in indianapolis when i was growing up was uh q95 uh and it was right around that time 85 i guess when uh, bob and tom started doing mornings in indianapolis and Mm. and then they were you know got syndicated and and you know moved uh, other stations around the country yeah they were by that time they were the ones that that were most popular. They ruled in in Indianapolis. U95, the full spectrum of rock and roll. Bob and Tom, mornings on Q95, Sirius Radio. The hottest ticket in Indianapolis. That's the power of love. 
American original. Q95, Indiana's best rock and roll. Did you live in Indianapolis or where, where, like, you can get the Indianapolis station? Yeah, yeah. Was, it was the suburb. It was 12 miles from Monument Circle. Yeah, it was, we were really, really close. Oh, okay. And uh wouldn't matter if we were, the, those stations were flamethrowers. Right. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was funny. I mean, at one point, I was working then down the hall at the alternative station, in, at w, uh, X103, RZX. So Bob and Tom are down at one end of the hall, and I'm at the other end of the hall. And at one point, 18 to 34 ratings demographic, they had a 33 share, and I think I had an 18. I mean, between us, wow. half of all yeah. the radios in central Indiana were in them by a long shot, but half of them were tuned to one of us. Yeah. And so people were happy at, at that point. What's funny is that radio station, X103, was run by a guy named Scott Jameson, who went on to do consulting work and so forth, Jacobs Media and, and other places. And he picked the K-Rock end-of-year lists to help him program the station. Is that right? So he, he <laughs> used K-Rock as the lodestone, you know, as the, as the, the guiding uh, lodestar, the guiding force of, of what the station would sound like. And, of course, we were playing other, you know, grunge and other indie bands. But, you know, we were playing Drama-Rama in Indianapolis, yeah. a band that, you know, outside of East Coast and in Los Angeles otherwise had, you know, no chart success, really. But we were playing these bands because they were big on the, you know, on Richard Blade's list and, and on, you know, the K-Rock end of year lists. That's crazy. That's well, the influence. Okay, well, let, yeah, let the joke was on him because this this list that we're going to go over is just bonkers. This, these, this, <laughs> yeah. We're doing songs 30 to 21. You would think these would be well-known songs, powerful songs that everyone knows to this day. Not the case. And I'm about right. to call for the most part. Yeah, no, I mean, there's there, there are some stiffs on this list. <laughs> there, yes, indeed. Hang on, I'm going to ask the question, though, because this is a conversation we have about Oingo Boingo a lot. Did you play Oingo Boingo in Indiana? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Oh. Yeah, only okay. lad and uh, yeah, um, weird science and a couple of yeah, those were totally in in rotation. And other you know songs like uh, Jane Weedlin and Sparks, Cool Places, and you know a lot of those songs that only had regional success. Yeah, we would end up playing, and it was kind of weird uh, to be honest with you, but it all worked and it came together to form this alternative pastiche that it just kind yeah. of felt like it, it it made sense i'm trying to think of a indianapolis band or uh, th from the 80s that was uh, that you would embrace was there any band like that from indianapolis or just from indiana just a, a local band that everyone that the station played because that this is a homegrown band well i mean pretty much every station played john mellencamp well, well that's true uh, <laughs> yeah was, uh you get pistol that's whipped if you <laughs> Uh, over and you didn't have a Melon album in the car. I like that image. <laughs> what is that, books back there? Yeah. Right. I'll let you go on a warning this time. Not many, not many bands out of central Indiana. Gosh, what a good question. There were bands called like the Y Store. I don't know if those got any regional success around that time. Mm. But yeah, they, they were mostly regional bands that got some attention. Not much out of Indiana. All right. So we'll just play everything oh, well, from I mean, Los I'll take that back. Yeah, Guns N' Roses and Blind Melon. Blind Melon was oh, okay. out oh, of yeah. uh, Lafayette as well. So everybody played the uh, the No Rain song. Yep. So that, that's probably the, the closest yeah. I can get to a, a local. Blind uh, Melon. All right. Bumblebee Girl was famous. The Bumblebee Girl. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to the Bumblebee Girl. All right. So we're going to go. These are the songs from 1985 on the K-Rock list. Um, we're looking at songs 30 to 21. And we're going to start with number 30, Blowing Palumbo. Up Detroit. What, I don't even know the name. Palumbo. You, Palumbo. Like Columbo? Yes. Okay. John Palumbo. I, I'm very uh, confused. <laughs> Thank you. Tell me very slowly. Uh, once again. Uh, no, not, not Columbo. That was John um, Columbo. Yeah. Was... Uh, you know, it made me wonder. There's, there was a Johnny Palumbo who worked for Intercom or, or oh. iHeart. or He was like a, a VP. I know who you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm right. sure it has to be a different person. It's uh, yes. But Although. this song, you don't know. Uh, yeah. up Detroit. Uh, when you shared it with me, that's the first time I had heard it in my life. Oh, is that right? And you yeah. like even the Charlie Sexton version? Because I think that got 
a little bit of play. No, yeah. not where I lived. Yeah. I, I'd never heard that song before in my life. Johnny Palumbo blowing up Detroit. Hong Kong bomb. You know, I looked up, I saw he was in that band, Crack the Sky, which I had heard of. <laughs> oh, really? Had, you know, didn't have intimate knowledge of, uh, for sure. But yeah. And, and this is a song that barely no. got into the, the top 100, right? Correct. Yeah. This, I, I don't, I, I don't know. This, this song was, it's, I was more fascinated by Crack the Sky, like this prog rock band. I started going down the, the rabbit hole of that because it, Crack the Sky was uh, listed by Rolling Stone as the number 47th best prog rock album of all time. And I don't even, okay, prog rock. I, I kind of know prog rock, but I had never heard of Crack the Sky. Were you, yeah, you feeling proggy? Go ahead and jump. I had just uh, I'd heard of them. I didn't really know their their music very well, but uh, yeah, looking looking up stuff like this, it just goes to show. You know, 1985. There's no internet. Yeah. And if you're not seriously, if you don't have you know some kind of a machine behind you, some uh, distribution machine uh, making videos and so forth, and I saw that there was the video for this uh, again, first time I've ever seen it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's bad news for me and my ignorance or bad news for them. Yeah. Uh, that it, I, I've been in radio for 33 years and this is the first time I, I come across it. You, you couldn't just noodle around on YouTube in 1985 and find stuff. Okay. So uh, we, we didn't even mention that you are the music director of 88.5 FM. Okay. So this comes across your desk. It's like, Oh, here's, here's something we can, uh, we can play. Is this something like you, you heard it for the first time. Fresh ears. Does this sound like something like, uh, you know what? I, I think our audience, 40 years old and up, might enjoy hearing this, or is this something that uh, it's uh, just not going to happen? If it's if it was brand new and, and I or, and no one had ever heard or, it before? Or no, just as like a, a little uh, spice. A, a, little, a remembrance yeah. of, of years past? <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, I'm usually pretty adventurous, but I, I think that just about everybody, except members of the band, who would <laughs> hear this on the radio, yeah. would say, what the hell is that? <laughs> Not to, to knock the, the art, the, their, their performance, but as far as remembering it, I think that the vast majority of, of the audience would not remember it. Mm. Did, did you remember it? Was it something you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that from? I did. I, I did remember that song just uh, when it got to the, the hook. Like, oh, yeah, 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 I remember this. This was the, the crazy thing is out of the 106 point songs, this one was at 30. Like, this is a, yeah. should be a big, big hit, but, you know, yeah. well, the, it's a K-Rock thing. thing. You know, it's a regional audience, and the things that they'll pick that will fly in Los Angeles versus things that, that you can pick that will fly in Cleveland or other places, it's totally different. And you'll go some places, like uh, Head East, song oh, Never yeah. Been Any yeah. Reason. You go and talk to somebody in St. Louis, oh, God, that that's, you know, they're dyed-in-the-wool fans of that. Somebody out on the West Coast, like, Head what? They have no, no idea. So, yeah, regional lists like this 
<laughs> accepting stations like X103 in Indianapolis that just co-opted it wholesale. Uh, you, you won't hear a lot of this stuff. Number 29. This is a band you may have heard of. This is the Talking Heads. The song is Stay Up Late, and I- I'm sure you've got, oh, yeah. uh, you remember this. I love the Little Creatures album. Yeah. For so many reasons. Um, the album was just fantastic. Number one, the, the artwork is great mm-hmm. on the album. You know, it's uh, if, if you can't conjure it in your head, it's a bunch of little tiny drawings of the band members. You know, think of like uh, Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dirt Cowboy mm-hmm. kind of, you know, all, mm-hmm. just so much to look at. Just a feast for the eyes. Uh, and what's great about it is the rest of the band members are hiding behind, looks like mountains of poop. <laughs> yeah. But David Byrne is there <laughs> holding the earth on his shoulders like Atlas, just the weight of the world. He's doing everything with, the, you know, Jerry Harrison and, and uh, Atina. They're, they're back there behind these, looks like mounds of poop. Oh, um, but the album itself was so good. <laughs> it, was, it just seemed like it was the band not taking themselves very seriously after a while, taking a break and just saying, Let's just make fun music. Let's just let's just have a, a you know a good time with it. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed that that album from start to finish. I wonder whose idea that was to put everybody else behind yeah. the poop. Right. Okay, so here's well, my idea. Yeah. I'll be holding the earth <laughs> like a superhero, and you guys will be behind poop. Actually, on the podcast, we talked to Chris Franz, who's the drummer, and we read his book. Not too kind to uh, to David Byrne. A little, still a little bit bitter of what uh, what went on uh, back in the day. Never see those people in a room together. No, I don't. I hate each other with a white hot intensity. (laughs) No, yeah. If if you see them together in a room doing anything, uh, they've lost a bet or something. All right, but that said, if you, if the Talking Heads got back together and somehow, do you do you want? Would you want to see that? Is that something that you need to see? Oh, I think sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Who wouldn't? Okay. I mean, do you want to see it because you want you want to see them, or you want to see it because you want to see the, the duke it out on? on yeah, there you go. See the fisticuffs. <laughs> well, it's weird. It's been over thirty years since their their last album together. The Naked album yeah. uh, was like ninety one, ninety two. Isn't that right? Yeah, ninety. And, I believe uh, so, I was still at CSUN. It was like eighty nine. Possible. Wow, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I don't know what they would have to offer musically, but I've been just thoroughly entertained by other things that David Byrne has done mm. since then. His Ray Momo album and the last one, uh, Everybody's Coming to My House, and the stuff he's done with uh, Brian Eno. I, I think yeah. that he still is very inventive, and I, they're all extremely talented. So I, I'd be you know, super interested to see what, what they had to offer. I know. Well, I'm waiting for the Coachella money to come in. That's what they used to do. That's not, that's not, (laughs) it's, it's, it's never good. Yeah. I want to see the Smiths and talking heads. I want to see that double bill. Is that uh, let's make that happen. Yeah. Yeah, Probably Probably not so much. Well, after they did the first desert trip, yeah. like, how do you top this? And the way you top it is you get talking heads to come back. Yeah. Bands like that, that, you know, despise each other get them to come back together and you know get led zeppelin and and you know as much as is still alive and uh and talking heads and some of these bands to come back together then i think people would make the trip out there the hell freezes over tour they'll you know like uh like yeah. the eagle, yeah, like the eagles. The eagles found you know some peace. Although now I think uh, I I just read that the Glenn Fry's son just left the band. I think uh, over. I don't think he gets along with uh, with with Don. <laughs> These personalities, they they've got they've got some opinions, and it's not easy. I think yeah. we're onto something though with the. Oh Holly, make it happen, oh, Holly. Band. Go ahead. Oh, I want to see slit this. Your throat tour. I love it. The okay. slit your. There yes. you go. The st- there you go. I will credit you with the title. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> All right, back to the ridiculous. This is Philip Oakley and Giorgio Moroder. Moroder. Giorgio, Giorgio uh, please, Moroder. You know what? I'm so bad at this. Please, Holly, who is this band? Philip Oakley and Giorgio Moroder. This guy from uh, Human, League. Human League. Human yeah. League, yes. And Giorgio Moroder from American Gigolo and Donna Summer. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, disco guy. And which sounds like a great mix. Like, you know, put these two together. This is you know, peanut butter and jelly right here, right? Yeah, Possibly. The stiff. Yeah. And then you give this a listen. Goodbye, bad times. I'm going to change my luck tonight. Don't want to cry anymore. I'm going to take what fortune brings. I'm going to make my own law. Goodbye, bad times. Goodbye, evermore. Goodbye, bad times. I'm going to walk. 
let's let's hear your take on this. Uh, again, <laughs> another record that uh, I'll I'll lay it right out there unapologetically. Uh, I was not intimately familiar with. God bless K Rock. That that that's part of of the fabric of what made that station so popular in the eighties into the nineties, and and it was that they set their own course and didn't give a flip what other stations were playing. And it didn't bother them that, you know, Philip Oakey wasn't uh, by himself a, a household name. My God, Philip Oakey gave up on the thing before K-Rock did. Uh, you know, he went back to human league. God bless them for charting their own course and deciding what was right for their listeners, and in, in some cases, letting the listeners decide what was right for themselves. Yeah. I think it's, it's pretty great. But the song I don't care for. So you say that you don't care for the song, and Dave, I get that you don't care for it either. I happen to, to like the song, but sometimes it's hard to tell if you like something because of the emotion that it evokes, because of the time, you know, the time in your mm -hmm. life, or that you really, truly like the song for the song. But I like this. I was a fan of both of them, but, you know, their work. And what does this evoke, Holly, when you hear this song? What do you, what do you feel like? Again, I was 20. You know, all those emotions you have when you're 20... I, that's all. That's all I'll say about that. <laughs> However, when I was kind of looking, researching the song, I read a, a piece of an interview. Philip Oki was asked to comment on the experience of working with his idol, Giorgio Moroder. He diplomatically characterizes him as a very quick worker, <laughs> claiming they made the entire album in a few days. Mm. That's what he said about him. How, how much do you think you liked working with him? That's true. Because I, I super high praise. I I do remember reading about. With Human League, he liked to take his time and uh, not uh, rush things and to the detriment of the rest of Human League. So I guess with this, it was just like, okay, we're making sausages here. Let's go. In and out. Here we go. Give me one take. Let's do it. All right. So they're going with the back and forth. So we go from the unknown to, uh, to the, the biggest song of them all, probably. Phil Collins' Sue Studio. It's just, wow. it's just the biggest, right? Just wow. Yeah. yeah. That's on this list. Yeah, I know. K-Rock played was, this. And, 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 and I say this. Phil Collins is tremendous. His talent as a drummer and a singer, uh, he's amazing. But um, that song. <laughs> uh, I, I, well, I mean, of course, it conjures uh, American Psycho. You know, I, this is the studio. Yeah. A great, great song. <laughs> a personal favorite. Right. And the reason that they they said that, of course, is because they knew it's a visceral reaction that the song gets from people. You either love it or you hate it. And I don't know many people that love it. Enough, we're we're gonna come upon a song that I hate even worse than Susudio, that's really? on this list that just drives me insane when I hear it. But uh, that's we'll we'll get we'll get to that eventually. I know which one it is. Oh, I'm sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> but but okay, so Susudio, what what is it about the song that just does not? That, did you at the time in 1985, a, a, you know, a junior in high school and and Phil Collins, and this is the biggest album, and you're you've got the cassette, don't you? No, no, <laughs> what? <laughs> You had to. The cassette. It was played every 40 minutes on the radio. No, no, absolutely not. The reason I didn't like it uh, is that word is made up bullshit. It's just, it's, it's, you're not singing anything. You're not singing anything. And it's not particularly groundbreaking, this chord progression or, or the instrumentation here and the horns and everything that you had to bring in because the song was uh, a, a turd on its own. No, there's, there's nothing about the song that, that gratifies me in any way. Tutti Fruity, Aunt Rudy, a Womp Bop, a Loo Bop, a Womp Bamboo. I mean, that's, that. what first is that? To do it. He was the first one yes. to do it. Okay, fine. He was the first one to do it. No this one said Susudio. No it. one's ever said Susudio before. <laughs> well, you're right. Okay, well. I, I yield that point. Okay, fine. We will. Holly, where, where were you on the, the Phil Collins? Uh, no, no Phil Collins at all? I. No, Phil Collins and oh. Genesis, Phil Collins. Well, well Sola, I mean. In 85. Uh, I, I appreciated him. And no, I was not one for the ballads either. None, n not okay. one for Phil Collins. 
All right. I mean, you know. I mean, I appreciate him. I, I love him. <laughs> I think he's funny. I think he has a great wit. He's I would like imagine him. at an Indiana radio station, you'd hear Springsteen, you'd hear Mellencamp, and you'd hear Phil Collins in 85. Sure. That was it. And that was it. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. All right. It was inescapable. Um, but, yeah, but you bought Springsteen and you bought Mellencamp, I'm sure, right? Well, yeah. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, yeah, what's your point, Dave? Okay, I get it. Dave, you sound surprised. Did you? Were you? Was this your, your I did. jam? Yeah, I I did like Susie. I liked this. This was was it a great great song? Was it a personal? Favorite? It was. It wasn't a you personal. Something about David, right? I I actually also liked it because I was a Letterman fan, and Letterman used to harp on Susudio all the time. But I think also because it was a good. It was, it's still a good song. I can't. You can't argue that it's a catchy song that's still in your head. You still know this word Susudio to this day. It's not like, oh, what was that song that Phil Collins sang that, that was nonsense yeah. song? Everyone knows it. Just say the word. That was right? the first, last time you do it. Abacab? Yeah. <laughs> yes. It works, well, people. Work well, with Abacab me. That was the chord progression, right? Yeah. Abacab, yeah. I guess, was, was actually before, wasn't it? Yes. Well, it was initially the, the, the chord progression. It went A, B, A, C, A, B at one point. But I think the, the final version of the song was like Abracadabra not. or something. Yeah. It was <laughs> no, that's something. Steve Miller. Um, okay, so fine. Now I know your take on Phil Collins. Let's move on. Let's let's. Uh, I, no, I love him in in, in in general and other other songs. Yeah, that one is just a that one in general. Okay, so we will never ever when uh, never hear uh, Phil Collins or Susudio on eighty eight five. That no. that's when you turn yeah, in your I've, resignation. I've lost a wager. If if I'm playing it, I've someone got money oh. from me. Let's move on. We're going down under. This is Midnight Oil. It's a mountain. The song is called Cozy Osco. Cozy Osco. Uh, he was in. Uh, why am I even a, attempting uh, this? He was a Revolutionary War guy. There's a, a county in Indiana named uh, Kosciuszko uh, County, uh, huh? and I, I imagine there are plenty of them across the country. Yeah, he was uh, like Lafayette and all those guys. The Revolutionary. War. He was okay. Uh, oh. Celebrated down there. Uh, man, I love Midnight Oil. Just a great band, uh, you know. And um, Peter Garrett, who believes everything he says i mean the guy you know served in parliament crying out loud he's so cool and so genuine yeah that, that band is is unassailable and that song I, i've heard a couple of times uh but it's not one that you can always recognize as midnight oil because that's not peter garrett singing the the lead that's uh, the drummer yeah i was watching the video it's it's still, but it's still like a, a really good song I didn't realize that uh, apparently I'm, I'm not good in my history. That uh, I didn't recognize that. But, uh, but you got Johnny yeah. Palumbo. So. I did get, oh, my God. <laughs> Dear God. Don't be hard on yourself. Oh, all right. Well, I think because of Peter Garrett, political activism, I think that might have actually hurt the band. Or, you know, just that he's, he's involved in so many other projects that Midnight Oil never, like, know, man. took it to the next level. Bag of money. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, and they're still making music. And I think yeah. that that if it would have just been play the hits, it might have been a different story, but they're still together to this day yeah. making music 40 years later. It's kind of neat to stand for something. Oh, indeed. That's why I don't think it can hurt them. I'm going to see them in June at the Palladium. Oh, I didn't even know they're, they're, they're So what is the new al- You're the music director, Andy. Have you heard? Obviously, you've, there's a new yeah, album. A couple of really good songs on there, but uh, it's good. They're about, of course, environmentalism and... Um, causes, but uh, the album's pretty strong. We played yeah. a couple of the singles. You know, we're going to get to another band that's uh, still kicking it, but that I didn't honestly. That's the hardest thing is like uh, you know when bands are still putting out records, trying to get exposure, and you know like you know we also have the new record out. People want to hear the hits? Uh, people do. I know. Yeah, last night we saw Alice Cooper. 
he's got an album out, but I, I you know, I, I don't even, I don't think anybody recognized anything from it. Play one or two songs so we can go to the bathroom and, yeah, yeah. and make the rest of it. Yeah. Alice Cooper still puts on a great show. Still really good. In case you ever get the chance to see Alice. But then let's move on to the next person. And this is a man, a young man named Mick Jagger. And his solo song is called Just Another Night. Did you it's, remember this one? Oh, yeah, of course. He, yeah, great song from Mick. Uh, and we can we can kind of breeze by this one because there's little, you know, that you can say bad about it. Uh, it was a you know, good, solid hit for, for Mick's solo. And he shows up again on the list. I'm saving most of my commentary. Oh, okay. mentioned this in the, the in my little comments just um you know playing solo stuff so you know like the eagles do that you can hear a joe walsh song at an eagles concert and you know you'll hear boys of summer uh, from the sure. eagles you know but if you were at a rolling stones show and you heard just another night would you go like what no no yeah. i don't yeah. i wouldn't have a problem with that it's a good solid hit okay yeah. that's all we need to know good solid hit it's not an issue with them playing their solo stuff during their band's performance it's more of if you like the song, I have no yeah, no true. issue. If you if you like the song, you want to hear it. And also interesting to hear with the band the band's version of the solo song. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's some artists that I want to hear every song. It's like I went to a Lindsey Buckingham show. I didn't know half the songs. He played like everything from his new album. I didn't know half the songs. I loved it. Yeah. Every bit of it. Yeah. I thought, this is amazing. And I was w- with a friend of mine who felt the exact same way. But, you know, it depends on the artist. I don't want to hear every mopey ballad. Maybe I'll buy the record and there'll be a time to hear that. But when I'm out and I've got a sitter and I, <laughs> I want to hear a concert and I want to hear the songs I know, you want to hear the songs you know. <laughs> All right. Would you go see Mick Jagger solo if you had the opportunity? Would you lay down money to see Mick Jagger perform without... Key. Maybe, yeah, sure, I guess, yeah, perhaps. Um, because I, th- I think he still puts on a great show. I saw the Rolling Stones at Desert Trip, and I had never seen them before. Oh, It was one of my, I'm like, how have I never yeah. gone to a, a tour? But it was just the timing of it that I never got to. And I thought, how can these guys be gratified jumping around on stage like they're, you know, 19 uh, when they're 90? And I went and saw them, and I, I had an epiphany. I realized that they've become the elder statesman of blues rock, the Willie Dixon and the Muddy Waters, they've become that. And yeah. they're now the torchbearers, the standard bearers for that. And it was one of the best shows I had ever seen. It was amazing. It sounded great. Yeah. And his voice was great. It was amazing. So, yeah, I, I have no compunction whatsoever about seeing Mick Jagger. And he put out a great album uh, just a few years after that, that uh, Wandering Spirit. Oh, oh, that was that album was great, right. start to finish. I went and bought that one. All right, Dave. Do you have to, would you buy a ticket to see Mick Jagger? I don't know because I'm kind of like probably just to be in the same room as Mick. I, I think like a lot of people, it it is something special when the Rolling Stones are together, and I I think there's it's not a you know there's a reason that they have to play stadiums. It's just that the shows are still dynamic you know you have it's just a once of a lifetime type thing you and every show seems a little bit different you really want to go you want to be a part of that so uh, you just feel sorry for them and, and that they still need money and you want to <laughs> sold them and be I'm, with them in that moment of need support them yeah yeah, yeah. You know, one day they'll Not figure out what they want to do when they grow up but uh for, for now we'll we'll just listen to the music all right this is uh number 24 Murray Head, One Night in Bangkok. All right. Give it to me. my kicks above the waistline, sunshine. Right? That's the greatest line ever. Am am I the only one that thinks that he kind of sounds like Kit the talking car in Knight Rider? (laughs) Michael, I don't think you can jump this crevasse. It sounds exactly like him to me. 
<laughs> now I'm not going to hear yeah. anything anything but Kit. I'm going to listen to some good music and don't offer any suggestions. I'll choose my own. As you wish, Mr. Knight. But since you are still recovering from your ordeal and I detect we're in a slightly irritable mood caused by fatigue, may I suggest you put the car in the autocruise mode for safety's sake? No, you may not. Get tired, you're talking to a tourist whose every move's among the purest. I get my kids above the waistline, sunshine. All right, so you hear the you're uh, you're at uh, 17 years old, and you hear this one night in Bangkok. Does your head go like what? Does your Murray head go like what? What the hell is happening on my radios right now? Because it was something completely different, really. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's I'm an adolescent when I first hear it, and the guy's name is Murray Head. And <laughs> oh, this Holly just <laughs> suddenly Holly. Fun. Going back to 17 years yeah. old. You know what I mean? It was just kind of a, I don't know, like all bets are off kind of thing. There was so much, you know, innuendo. And it was an interesting time, the 80s, when like with the videos that you'd see and the images that you would see, you know, I'm this kid from Indiana that doesn't know uh, his butt from a hole in the ground. And, and, and then to see these things, you know, coming into my living room on the TV and you just had to keep an open mind. If if you liked alternative music, you had to basically say, "All right, there's mm-hmm. not you know there's another weird uh, uh, flavor of the day." It never gave me bad dreams, but yeah, for certain it was idiosyncratic. It was in that same family to me as like uh, you know, hit me with your uh, rhythm stick. The uh, oh, Ian uh, Dury and the Blockheads. Ian Dury and the Blockheads, yeah. kind of you know, <laughs> in that sort of genre. And then Frankie goes to Hollywood. You know, it was that was all kind of in the same arena for me where I'm like, oh, it's that kind of novelty sort of thing. But the crazy thing is this was a pop superstars. ABBA put this together as well as Tim Rice, who put together a a number of uh, successful musicals. It's crazy. I did not know that before you. Oh, really? I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if Chess was ever a successful musical. You know, that's all I knew about this was that this was a song from the musical Chess and. That was it. Were you familiar with Superstar, Jesus Christ Superstar, Murray Head singing that? Anybody? Well, sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I knew that he was involved in that. I was just talking to somebody else the other day who said their favorite uh, musical was Jesus Christ Superstar. I'm like, it's, really? Yeah, it's pretty good, actually. It's it's good. It's not my favorite, but it's good. <laughs> Might have been one of my first musicals. Every time I look at you, I don't understand why you let the things you did get so out of hand. Manage better if you'd had it planned. Why'd you choose such a backward time on such a strange land? If you'd come today, you would have reached the whole nation. Israel and for BC had no mass communication. And so you knew Murray had. You didn't even realize it. You were familiar with uh, with the head catalog. Number 23, Jane Weedland, Blue Kiss. Another, that's a solo, solo work from a famous go-go. So um, were you a go-go's fan? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I, th- I thought they were just uh, cute as can be. And, and I don't mean to, to objectify, but uh, good Lord, they were just uh, so cute. And she was the cutest one, Jane Wheedland. Just the pixie haircut. Mm-hmm. And then I watched the, that documentary a couple years ago about the Go-Go's and you know, found out, oh, she's kind of one of the most talented ones as, as well. And <laughs> you know, the songwriting force behind a lot of the songs that you love. But yeah, that that song, Blue Kiss, if there was a gun to my head uh, before this and you would have told me to come up with that song title, I
think except for Belinda. Was there any other? I'm trying to think of any uh, any other solo. Didn't Gina Go-Go. Shock do a thing with somebody? She, she did have House of Shock, but I'm trying to think of some like a yeah. big pop hit that, that that you know. If we put the gun to your head and you had to come up with a a solo song from a go go, if you would come Jane up with some other, yeah. I think Jane had. Some I, I would have with well, the one I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, cool places that she did with Sparks. Oh right, that's true. Yeah. So if the Go Go's performed Blue Kiss, would you go like, okay, time for a bathroom break? I like Jane too. I love Jane. I think she's a, you know, they, they, I love watching them and I love watching everything they do. I don't know that I would go to the bathroom during any Go-Go song. <laughs> their concert, I mean, their show is so short anyway. It's not even an hour and a half. I mean, it's an hour and a half. It's but t- uh, Tightly packed. I, I don't even love Belinda's solo stuff. I mean, it's fine. I, I like it, but I wouldn't see her as a solo artist. I'm Go-Go's all the way. Go-Go's all the way. Go-Go. Go Team Go-Go's. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. So let's move on to 22. Okay, so this is, this. Uh, I mean, even when I saw this in 1985, Mick Jagger and David Bowie, this was performed for Live Aid, Dancing in the Street. They're just being goofballs. It was painful to watch for me. Even even the first time I saw it, like, this is, no, please stop. But, Did you make a sound, Andy? Did you make a, a what is, what is your re- sound? <laughs> What's your reaction your to this? Your description was nothing but kind. Oh, really? Okay. For, for what this thing actually is. It's <laughs> a, a steaming pile of shit. <laughs> Uh, and you mentioned earlier about uh, Philip Oakey, uh, you know, making music in record time. They recorded this song, right? <laughs> Both Mick Jagger and David Bowie. They recorded this song completely and shot the video in one day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm shocked it took that long. <laughs> it is such an unmitigated piece of shit. Okay. Thank you. South America. I can tolerate. I hear it. And I'm like, okay, it kind of makes me. But if I have to sit and watch the video, <laughs> it just pisses me off. <laughs> how can you not? Though I mean, I, I don't know. How can that make you smile? <laughs> have you seen the video? Have you seen? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but we're still talking about it, so I guess you know they win. And K Rock liked it that year. And K Rock, they liked. And they liked oh. it. Um, okay, we talk about live. Studio. This was okay. So this was. You know what? The question between <laughs> Studio and oh. Dancing in the Streets by Mick and David, which one of those do you prefer? That's like that old philosophical question <laughs> of if if you were buried in a barrel of cow poop up to your chin, and someone threw a bucket of goat poop at your face, would you duck? <laughs> I have. Is this some sort of Indiana expression? I've never heard that before. That's how I feel about those. Two okay, stories. no, I understand. Uh, I mean, it's easy for me, but apparently not so much for you. No, I mean, I love, I like Susudio. I will, but uh, I can't tolerate dancing in the street. That was, it's just abomination. Thank you so much, Andy, for first of all spending over an hour with us. Pleasure. Okay, and so the kids are knocking on the door. They just got home from school. Oh, so okay. I, okay. I have to all right, let's wrap this up soon and, and entertain them, but. Okay. Uh, I'm just, well, it's Kismet. We got here to the number 21 at the perfect time. Okay, perfect. Because, okay, so like Midnight Oil, Tears for Fears have a really good album out. I love this new album, Tipping Point by Tears for Fears. Really uh, an amazing, uh, amazing album. Really, really good. Nice Strong. album. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. There are a couple of songs on there that I, I really, really enjoy. And I've always loved them. I, you know, the songs from The Big Chair, you know, I always thought they were fantastic i actually uh, interviewed kurt smith he was one of the first interviews i did at y107 okay in like 1997 or 90 yeah, around, around then he had his own band at that point tears for fears were not a thing at that point 
and he had his own band. It was called Mayfield. And I said, why'd you call it Mayfield? And he said, oh, it's easy. Cut is Mayfield. Cut is Mayfield. Cut is Mayfield. Oh. Like, oh, that's horrible. That's, that's horrible. That's as bad. That's, that's, that's a dreadful. That's uh, as bad as dancing in the street. But okay. If nobody else asked at the time why the name, nobody would ever know. Nobody would ever know. Well, so you asked you ask the good question. To this day, I still can't tell them apart. Who is who? How do you tell? Roland Dorsetball is the one that does the, the heavy lifting on the singing. Okay, so Roland is like the Daryl Hall. Is that what's happening? I guess so in okay. this instance. Okay. Although uh, Daryl plays the, the, the keyboards, though. Yes. So yeah, it's a little, okay. little uh, not apples to apples right. on the instruments. Okay, so yeah. So Roland, uh, oh, so he's the lead singer. Do they, they and, and they yeah. co-write everything. Co-write something. Yeah, all right. The songs from the big chair, just uh, did you own that on cassette? Was that uh, something that you went out and and I, sought? Well, again, it was one that I didn't own uh, myself because you heard it all. Like all the songs yeah. ended up on the radio at some point, like four of them anyway. And then later on, you know, I had roommates in, in college that had that stuff. The only bugaboo with that song is the title and that turn of phrase, that colloquialism of head over heels. That's the only thing that, from an OCD <laughs> standpoint, I can't deal with. Because if you're if you're head over heels, I mean the the inference is that you're just out of your mind, you know, off your your rocker, blown away by something, right? Yeah. Head over heels, head over heels in love. Yeah. But your head is always over your heels. That well, okay. Point well taken. Heels over head. So where does that pass over tea kettle? Yeah. So, something different than <laughs> head over heels, but it works for the song, so I'll allow it. People hear you, Andy. We're we're uh, plug yourself here. They hear me just outside your window. No, <laughs> That's I'm, oh my god. I'm on the air from three to seven p.m. Pacific time every weekday, Monday through Friday. It's uh, it's a, a, a hoot being a part of that radio station. They're good people that love music. You know, from a music standpoint, it's the most enjoyable uh, experience I've I've had in radio. You know, just the eclectic nature of, of everything that's played and, and uh, all that. It's, it's been great to be a part of. That's great. Yeah. That's so nice to hear. It does come across, though, obviously, when oh, you're listening. And, and you can listen anywhere around the world, I should say, on the website, 885fm.org. We have people listening, you know, on every continent. So that's, uh, it's neat to have people tuned in. That's, what happened to the call letters? They just disappeared. It's just, uh, it's just 885fm. That's, that's KCSN, you mean? Yeah. Uh, do you plan. even? Well, here's, here's my plan. I'm going to reunite. Crosby, Stills, and Nash for a benefit for the radio station, and that will be the triumphant return. That's the tri- okay. road trip. So CSN, CSN, if you can get Y, that would be great. The Smiths and Talking Heads. I would see that. That would be a good show. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> get all those people in a room together. There you go. Let's make that happen. All right. Yeah. I'm excited about this. This is a good plan. I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right, go say hello to your kids. Thank you so much, Andy. I, I really appreciate it. We, we My appreciate pleasure. it. David, great to meet you. And Holly, a fantastic meeting you. Uh, all the best to you guys. And thanks for including me in your fun. All right. Wrapping up another chunk of funk. You called it the funk. We're, we're wrapping up the funk. Oh. We're wrapping up the funk. You would probably refer to it that way. But I thought some of these songs were pretty fun. Fun chunk of funk. Yeah. I agree. I yeah, I guess I guess you're right. Yeah, I I coined it that. You did trademark. <laughs> Put a trademark on that. You invented the word yeah. funk for this purpose, right? Like you can trademark something for one particular purpose. Right. 
All right. Funk is, is our 10-song chunk. We had a lot of funk in here. There was a, plenty of funk that stunk on this chart uh, for this week. It was definitely fun talking to Andy. What a great guy and how knowledgeable and that voice. It is smooth like butter, isn't it? Like butter. Diane makes me super jealous. Like, why do I have to have this voice? I need a new well, your voice. Your voice is good. Your but, voice is good, but Andy's is, you know. No, Andy's is the best. Andy's is, I think, I would say, of all the people we've talked to, I think Andy's is the most distinctive of the, the radio people we've talked to. Like, I would hear her, I'm on the air, and I would go, yep, that's Andy. That's Andy. All right. Well, you can listen to Andy on 88.5 FM, 3 to 7 p.m. on the West Coast, because he's in Los Angeles, the best coast, right? And then you can uh, listen to us every Friday. We have new episodes. And so subscribe and do all whatever needs to be done to, to remind yourself that uh, there's a new What Difference Does It Make podcast coming up. And you can also follow at, us on social media, right? At WDDIM Podcast and on YouTube at What Difference Does It Make Podcast. Love that. Okay, so we're going to wrap up this episode. And uh, just to remind you, we are a proud member of Pantheon Podcast. So, until next time, this is Dave. This is Holly. Check you later. Over and out. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.